This is part two of Sandy's conversation with Dr. Stephen Beeson, the founder of the Clinician Experience Project. In this episode, we dig into compensation models, decision-making processes, and really practical ways to support physicians to live out their purpose and deliver high-quality care. In the spirit of full transparency, we had a technical issue with Sandy's audio, so you'll be hearing from me as I jump in and fill in some of the gaps. Enjoy the episode. So, Stephen, I know you've worked with a lot of people. Tell us about um, tell us about a physician. Maybe it was a physician leader, or a physician who took some kind of big risk from their perspective, and what the impact was. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many stories. Of, right. <laughs> you know, physicians who have who have done um, extraordinary things. I, I mean, I gosh. Um, one in particular hospitalist that uh, we work with recently um, who uh, was really struggling. He was a, in a formal leadership position in addition to being a full-time hospitalist and um, was just getting pummeled in, in his clinical work. Uh, 65, 70 calls per day, um, uh, just physically, emotionally exhausted. And he would describe going into, for one of his clinical shifts, as sitting in his car with his head on his the, the on his steering wheel for ten minutes, getting the courage to go in, and uh, and and he was suffering from uh, burnout, if not frank depression, and just overwhelmed in his work. And, and he and he said to himself, "My life needs to be different than it is right now." And so, what he undertook uh, and what he decided was he was going to begin to start rounding. Um, with his nurses on the med surge floor. And, you know, some hospitalists, many are doing this now, um, but many say, gosh, I, I don't have time. I am so overwhelmed. I've got to be able to just get through my, my list of patients I get around on. But he said, I got to be able to do things differently now. So he, he met with the nurses up on med surge and he said, I want to begin to, to round side by side. And then he began to tell the, the story of what had happened. Uh, and how patients were responding to the team being there together uh, and interacting with each other and a singular source of the care plan and what's next and what to look out for and um, the, the collaboration and partnership and friendships that arose f- with the nursing staff. Uh, and then he quantitatively described what happened to his calls, that he went from 65 to 70 calls per shift to five to 10 calls, a 90% reduction in his inbound calls, reduced uh, two and a half hours off of his rounding time by virtue of having a, again, a clear, singular, uh, well understood, mutually agreed upon treatment plan and care plan communication to the patient and the nurse synchronously. Um, and and uh, what the fellowship meant with the nursing staff. Um, uh, he was getting invited to their weddings and he was, you know, a part of that tribe. And, and, and now he, he has become an evangelist for mm. hospitalist nurse rounding um, at the hospital system where he is. And um, it, it's the power of doing something simple that has profound impact and to use your experience as a testimony to invite others to give it a go uh, is one example of one physician in one place who did something that was profoundly beneficial for, for patients we know. Um, but it was profoundly impactful for him and what it was like to be a clinician in that circumstance and to take that kind of bold move. All right, Taylor, jumping in here. This is where Sandy's audio cut out. The next question Sandy brought up is, the next question that Sandy asked Stephen is, 
what's a myth that he sees out there uh, that he would like to debunk in the context of physician leadership and well-being? Well, you know, I, I think that we we talk a lot about you know how do we align and engage physicians to to get the work done. Um, uh, given physicians' profound impact on the capacity of an organization to to execute its 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 mission, um, you know, I, I think that one of the things and one of the least effective uh, and probably most overrated um, uh, elements and myths out there is uh, physician incentive. Um, we hear so so frequently about comp redesign and and how do we how do we incentivize physicians to um, uh, financially benefit from uh, achieving organizational metrics. Um, and I'm not saying it's wrong, um, but if you look at what drives a physician's decision to connect with patients and collaborate with each other and exercise their influence to make those around them better, um, money, I think, is, is, a, um, is a very small part of that decision-making apparatus. Uh, and we run the risk of if we go with the assumption and the bias that if we align physicians and incentivize them enough, then they will do what we need them to do, um, it trivializes um, deeply held belief systems of I became a clinician to, pra to practice really high quality clinical excellence uh, in a way that patients walk out and say the best ever and everybody I know, love, and care about has got to come here for their care. That's what they want. Uh, and they want to be a part of a, a place that helps and supports where they have friends, they have people that can help them out if they, if they are in a clinical bind, they have somebody who's gladly there to help them out. Um, and building those things are the things that really enroll clinicians uh, in the endeavors ahead. Um, and, and comp design is, uh, again, we want to value physicians' contribution uh, to better care, and there's nothing wrong with incentives, but its relative influence is small, uh, in my experience. Taylor, again here. The next question that came up is, what are some of the patterns and habits among physicians that Stephen sees as content or fulfilled? Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of physicians that are loving their work right now. And I think that, you know, you know, as important it is to identify what are the things that physicians are struggling with so we can get hassle out of the way, appreciate them, develop them, listen, respond, and do the things that we know can advance our sense of wellness within an organizational experience. There's a lot of physicians that, are, that, that love their work. Um, and uh, recently I was with a, a healthcare system uh, just as last week, and uh, I asked the question, um, uh, tell me about your best clinical moment that you've had uh, with a patient, and was able to sort of pass the mic around, microphone, uh, allowing physicians to think and reflect and remember for, for a few moments, and allowing physicians to sort of tell that story uh, of what that was like. Um, and incredible stories about impact, incredible stories about um, relationships, incredible stories about discovery and partnership. And, and what was so interesting about it is that, you know, the best moments of clinicians were frequently had no relationship to a clinical impact or a clinical sequelae. It was about relationship, impact, and in that moment, I was the physician that I know that I have always wanted to be. And, and what I found in those common links of physicians who find fulfillment and 
uh, impact, and I'm glad I did this, is that those physicians, they look at themselves and how they do things with patients, with their teammates, and even as leaders. Um, and they say, I am living according to my deepest held beliefs of who I need to be for my patients and my teammates. And that congruence between what I aspire to be and how I'm acting and the influence that I'm having is a constant theme in physicians who have risen above <laughs> the burnout challenge uh, and, and physicians who can't get out of that, who are suffering from burnout, who are, who are overwhelmed with clerical burden, who are having um, uh, leaders who don't listen or appreciate them, they look at themselves and they go, man, I'm a shell of myself. I mean, I don't know anybody who finished residency and then said, 20 years from now, I want to be you know, super cynical uh, uh, and negative and you know, impossible to be around. I mean, it's, we look at ourselves and go, what's happened to me? This is not what I had planned for my life. And, and you know, the, really the role of leadership and in us in the, in the world of coaching, training, and developing clinicians is simply helping clinicians to be everything that they aspire to be. And what I found to be a consistent theme in those clinicians that are really loving their work um, and there are still many of them out there. Um, and helping clinicians to get from that, man, this is brutal, I hate this, Sunday nights to me are hell, to, man, I had a great day. Worked super hard, but man, it was, it was fun. And, um, and getting clinicians to that spot, I think is, um, for me, is the greatest source of, of personal fulfillment. Taylor here again. Just wanted to also point out that I'm not really able to capture all of Sandy's reactions here to Stephen, so we are leaving a bit of the context out here. But the next question Sandy had for Stephen was any sort of tips or tools that he's picked up along the way related to managing time and just the general complexity of life. Yeah, no, no, I think that there, there's a lot of possibilities. You know, what, one of the things that I really encourage physicians to do is is manage, structure their times from how they write notes to how they interface with patients to building trust with patients to be able to, to sort of stay on time throughout the course of, of the day. Um, and whether that be redesigning our notes um, so they're tight, we maintain you know, medical decision making, but we're able to finish notes in between patients so at the end of the clinical day, we're able to get home to our families and not be closing our charts at 9 p.m. Uh, and that, that, that's a set of skills and optimization techniques um, uh, that's, I think, important. Uh, number two, uh, I always encourage physicians to uh, get to know the who behind the diagnosis. Um, and I always say to physicians, you know, managing uh, blood pressures and hemoglobin A1Cs all day, every day for 35 years is fun and everything. <laughs> but, it's, but healthcare is about uh, knowing the people that we care for. Um, and to ask questions of uh, patients along the lines of, you know, of all that you're going through right now, what worries you the most? Uh, and to use that discovery and to identify what are the patients most worried about to create that connectivity and a uh, shared goal is a, can be a career changer for physicians in terms of how it is that we interface uh, with patients. Um, and number three, I always encourage physicians to care for themselves um, uh, and, and to take time for the things that they enjoy doing, to spend time with the people that are most important to them, to cultivate the important relationships in their lives, to exercise and to eat right. And to, This is a hard, hard life, and we've got to be at our best, and part of that is, is taking care of ourselves. Um, 
and dedica dedicating ourselves to uh, keeping ourselves at our best. So th those are three you know, really, really simple, uh, high-level things that I encourage physicians to do to get through this life that we call uh, doctoring. Taylor again hopping in here. Next question Sandy had for Stephen is talk a little bit about any sort of morning or evening routines that support him to operate and perform at a high level consistently. Oh yeah, I, I have a, um, uh, in the spirit of fellowship, I have a, uh, a, a workout group that I, um, uh, is a group of uh, folks that get together at the local high school um, at 6 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and on, and on Saturday as well. And that's a, that's a really important part of my daily routine. Um, and uh, it's 6 to 6.50 in the morning of intense boot camp style workouts. Uh, and in fact, our challenge for this month was uh, uh, 10,000 push-ups uh, in the month of September, um, which I am at 8,600 push-ups so far with a week to go. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's, it's embarrassing to admit, but it's, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a real fellowship and pushing each other to our limits and getting through physical discomfort and getting up really early and working out in the dark and what it feels like to be, again, a part of a tribe. Um, and I have dear friends in that group. Um, and so that, that's a really important part of my life. Um, I'm a very much an early morning person, so uh, I get to the office here early. Uh, and uh, I have conference calls and podcasts. I travel quite a bit. Um, so I'm on the road about 10 to 15 days per month. Uh, and uh, enjoy walking um, our dog with my wife in the evening when I'm home. Um, and uh, spending time uh, with uh, our kids whenever, whenever we can, whenever they uh, are willing to hang out with us. <laughs> um, and and th those, are, those are all the interwoven parts of my life that are my, my daily routine. Taylor here jumping in. Next part here is really interesting. Stephen talks a little bit more in depth about what's going on and what they're doing at the Clinician Experience Project. Yeah, no, I, I uh, you know, when I was, um, Getting involved with physician engagement, coaching, training, and development. Um, again, as I mentioned, I discovered really that not only that coaching and training works um, with profound advancement in clinician contribution and the derivative benefit of it's really great to to be able to connect with patients and be a better leader and to bring the best out of those who look to me for leadership. Uh, and 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 also saw the, the massive need for clinicians to uh, develop skills to influence uh, healthcare um, in teams, in care teams, and in the exam room. Uh, and so, but I was also challenged with the fact that um, it's really hard to scale this. Uh, and, and so have spent the last few years uh, developing a learning community that we call the Clinician Experience Project. Uh, and it's app-based coaching, uh, and it uses uh, what we call micro-learning, which is two minutes at a time, on key skills to allow clinicians to be their best in the exam room with patients, to be uh, with simple leadership techniques, um, and how do we collaborate with our team members, and how do we manage patients requesting antibiotics for viral illnesses, or how do we manage patients requesting opioids that we know need to get off, and how do we manage a late arriving patient? Those are all really important skills to have. So we've built uh, this thing called the Clinician Experience Project, um, and now servicing tens of thousands of clinicians across the country. 
on uh, uh, helping them with the skills that allow them to be their best and to do so in a way that allows them to love their work. Um, and it's been an incredible endeavor uh, and uh, having a wonderful time, exhausting time uh, doing this, trying to make a dent uh, in healthcare in every way we can. Taylor jumping in here to wrap up this episode. Stephen's going to go ahead and share his message, his vision, and some closing thoughts here. Great, great. Thank you, Sandy. And first of all, congratulations on your work. I mean, I think that um, you've had a profound impact on many physicians' lives, uh, and and it's an honor to be uh, in partnership with you, uh, as we have a very common uh, effort and mission. Um, you know, my belief is that. Um, uh, healthcare today in America um, has lots of upside, uh, and we can make it so much better for uh, the patients that we serve and the communities that we are a part of, but also believe uh, that for us to do that, um, those providing care have to be at their best. Um, we cannot have injured care team members providing extraordinary, safe, evidence-driven patient-centered care. And I think the, the biggest responsibility of healthcare leadership is to help those that are providing care at the front line to be their best by listening, responding, coaching, training, developing, modeling, and tapping their ideas to innovate around uh, care delivery challenges. Um, the return on investment of helping and supporting and treating your care teams as the most precious thing in your organization, they will make everything possible. And if you skip that step, um, everything becomes so much more difficult. Um, so my final words of wisdom uh, are uh, the, those that are providing care are the most important thing in any healthcare organization. Uh, and leaders doing everything they can to help support, listen, respond, be there for them uh, will make all the things in front of us that we have to get done possible. Um, and uh, that's what I consider to be my life's mission <laughs> and contribution to better care for patients. As always, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it brought value to your life. If you enjoyed the episode today, please consider leaving us an honest review on your podcast app wherever you listen to this podcast or shoot us an email at support at sandyscottllc.com. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like to have Sandy cover, if you think she's totally wrong on something and you want to call her out, uh, or if you have ideas for guests for us to have on the show, we'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a great rest of your day.